Hello and welcome to episode 104 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. One of this year's biggest and most anticipated releases is Top Gun Maverick. So for this episode, we're returning to the original from 1986, Top Gun, directed by Tony Scott. And to help us talk about it, we've invited Ryan's brother-in-law, Chris Hugh, to help us revel in the awesomeness of 80s nostalgia. While many rolled their eyes at the idea of a Top Gun sequel over 30 years too late, Maverick has wowed audiences and critics in ways that rival the nostalgic love for the original. So we wanted to see how one of the biggest movies starring one of Hollywood's biggest stars looks after all these years. Top Gun is one of the most recognizable films of all time. Its actors, the lines, the visuals, the music all have become iconic. At the time, it was a hit with audiences, raking in $357 million worldwide on a $15 million budget. Critics were mixed, acknowledging the masterfully thrilling fight sequences and blockbuster potential, but found fault with the less-than-clear storyline and less-than-believable love story. Nominated for four Oscars, it won one for Best Original Song. It's hard to say what its lasting legacy is, but most people would probably say either the quotable lines or the sweaty beach volleyball scene. But with so much of the movie seared into the public consciousness, is it actually good? Or does the Defense Department regret to inform us that this movie is dead because it is stupid? Keep listening. incredibly brave thing what you should have done was land your plane you don't own that plane the taxpayers do son your ego is writing checks your body can't cash you've been busted you lost your qualifications as section leader three times put in hack twice by me with a history of high-speed passes over five air-controlled towers and one admiral's daughter and you, asshole, you're lucky to be here. Thank you, sir. And let's not bullshit, Maverick. Your family name ain't the best in the Navy. You need to be doing it better and cleaner than the other guy. Now, what is it with you? Just want to serve my country. Be the best fighter pilot in Navy, sir. Don't screw around with me, Maverick. You're a hell of an instinctive pilot. Maybe too good. I'd like to bust your butt, but I can't. I got another problem here. I got to send somebody from this squadron to Miramar. I gotta do something here. I, I, I still can't believe it. I gotta give you your dream shot. I'm gonna send you up against the best. You two characters are going to Top Gun. For five weeks, you're gonna fly against the best fighter pilots in the world. You were number two, Cougar was number one. Cougar lost it, turned in his wings. You guys are number one. But you remember one thing. You screw up just this much. You'll be flying a cargo plane full of rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong. Yes, sir. That is all. You tell me about the mix some other time. All right. That was James Tolkien as Stinger, who is such a classic character actor. I, I, I love that role. Even if I he, love him in it. Even if he yeah. hadn't played that role, I would probably <laughs> picture him saying what he says to Maverick, you know, just dressing him down. Yeah. Giving him the what for. The way he smokes that cigar. Oh. It's just. Perfect. It's just great. Yeah. yeah. Powerful words. Powerful words, I think. I, <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's like, 
uh, you're invited to Hogwarts or uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're yeah. going to Top Gun, man. That feels that feels like the the owl letter. You a, a bald, sweaty man yells yells your invitation in your face. They still do it that way in the Navy. That's how I hear. I hear. Uh, uh, but that was that is our guest uh, jumping in, Chris Hugh. Um, who I'm glad to have here. He's my brother-in-law. Your brother-in-law. So hey, we've, <laughs> we've talked movies here and there. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. So glad you're here um, to talk about Top Gun, a movie that um, we had all seen mm-hmm. before this episode, of course. Who hasn't? Mm-hmm. Uh, Even but if I, you haven't seen it, you've seen it. Now, I know in our last episode, though, I, I would say I was pretty sure I was going to see Top Gun Maverick. You were a little bit more on the fence, I uh-huh. think, as far as it was going to... Yeah. Maybe you'd yeah. see if you got around to it, but it turns out... Spoiler I really liked alert, it. You did get around. I really it. liked it. Yeah, and you actually saw it with, with, with our guest. Yeah, yeah. Chris. I had texted. I had texted the family, like knowing we mm-hmm. have a chance here to see Top Gun Maverick. Because we were, yeah, we were at the <laughs> we were at the grandparents' house for Memorial Day weekend, and so we had some built-in babysitting, and Chris knew that was our chance. Mm-hmm. But we got there. Okay, so I don't know if this matters. The movie started at 8.30. We were running a little bit late. We got there, I think, at 8.42, which usually puts you square in the middle of the trailers. And there were a lot of trailers. Not apparently at the one we went to. I mean, I feel like there was a ton when I saw it. Because we we walk into the theater, Tom Cruise is fixing up a, a motorbike. Oh, that's where that's so that's where you walked in. Yeah. What well, did, I could tell you this. What did we miss? I can tell you this. You could just put on Top Gun. Uh-huh. That's that's pretty much it. It starts. It's the, it's same the way. exact same. It's got the same like you know. It's got the same sort of uh, what do you call that? The the. Oh, it has exposition. Expo- no. Yeah, it, it does. Do- it starts with that, and then it seriously starts with Kenny Loggins' Danger, Zone? Danger Zone with the shots of uh, jets jets taking off and landing oh, on aircraft. Uh, what a mood God. setter! But, but like but like new ones, and then it just cuts to yeah. Tom Cruise. We must have just up. missed it. Was it a motorcycle or was it a jet? I think eh, it was, was a, jet. a jet. Yeah, it was yeah. a jet. We were, like I said, uh, we were pretty disoriented. Chris was really nervously <laughs> trying to figure uh-huh. out whether we should stay or not. Uh-huh. So I, did I you, couldn't tell what what, it, what Tom Cruise was. I think the on. only thing that you may have missed that would have been important is did you see his, the cool way he sat down in a chair? <sighs> right. No. He, no. he kind of like <sighs> he kind of no. like sits no. down into a chair and grabs a cup of coffee. <laughs> And then he starts working on the. Gym. I don't remember that so, at all. Uh, again, the trauma, like it just, yeah. it like <laughs> I'm not taking anything in. I mean, it was just I don't know. It was just a very maverick chair sitting. That's I bet all, I can know? imagine. Oh, I can't even imagine now that I say that. That oh. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll we'll keep that in mind as we talk right. about Top Gun Maverick. Right. That you, you know you're you're going into talking about that movie without that context. Without the context, so, yeah. Um, but anyways. That's really not the main movie we're talking about. No. We're talking about Top Gun, the original. Right. Um, and, of course, the sequel is the occasion for that discussion. Um, but why don't we pull back a little bit, mm-hmm. do what we do, and mm-hmm. um, Top Gun. Man, let's talk about uh, let's talk about some first viewings here. I mean, Chris, I yeah, feel like as Chris, our guest, well, I'd, 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 love to hear, I'd love to hear your sort of experience <laughs> with Top Gun before we really get into the rewatch. Yeah, sure. Discussion. No, I mean, I was racking my brain the other day. like, when did I see this movie? You know, because I have this note here, the video game. I remember playing the oh, video yeah. game. Oh, yeah. The Nintendo game. First one. Yeah, the yes. first. I guess there were, I don't know how many there were. Maybe there were two, but at least for the NES, the first one, which didn't have any storyline no it was just you and a jet yeah Yeah, and you had like refueling challenges which were like really really difficult 
<laughs> but that came out like, you know, I think 1987 or 88, but that would put me at like five, six years old, which seems really young to see this movie. <laughs> but uh, so maybe let's just say in the night. Yeah, I must have been eight years old, maybe if it's in the 90, if it's like 1990 and I'm seeing this movie. Was it a movie that was like in your house? Did you have it on VHS or? I think we did. Yeah. I think we did have it on VHS. I think they must have just given it out when you bought a home in the 80s because I feel like <laughs> right. every every home right. had had a VHS copy of Top Gun and probably the vinyl like soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm from San Diego, so they just hand them out. Oh, yeah, like, they're just on the street. They just want you to have it. Because <laughs> there's so few, you know, yeah, there's so few movies that like highlight San Diego. Well, I don't really know that's true, but uh, I think I grew up thinking that. Yeah, a lot of things didn't make sense in an eight-year-old's brain, but I feel like I really still walked away being like enthralled by the whole adventure of it. But you just sort of take it all in as this big spectacle of a movie and you walk away being like, wow, that was amazing, Mm -hmm. you know? And I can think of certain scenes that now I watch them and I go, oh, okay, yeah, you definitely did not understand that as an eight-year-old. Which we can get into later. If they come up, but um, but this is a this is a movie that you have seen a lot. Then, like, the, yeah, yeah, now like, could like, you even wow. count how many times you've seen this movie? Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, there's obviously a huge gap. I think probably when I found out Natalie, my wife Natalie had not seen it, hmm. we tried to watch it, and I, I and I fell asleep. But it had been a while since I'd seen it, and then I really probably watched it recently, like two weeks ago, before we saw Maverick. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I always remember it just being this sort of incredible, just 80s classic. But then I watch it now and I go, it doesn't, it has all these 80s tropes in it. And, mm-hmm. but it still feels really timeless when I watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So did you feel like you kind of remembered it as like a collection of moments and like the story of it didn't really connect with you? Like when you think about like your, yeah. your childhood viewing sort That's of That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Because if maybe if we had on VHS or we had it on, or we just saw it on TV randomly, it was always these like clips you're coming in at it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I sort of pieced it together Yeah, probably much later and been like, oh yeah, this guy, this is still a solid movie to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Ryan? I, I I didn't see it until I was an adult. It my my parents were not in into stuff <laughs> <laughs> like popular music, popular movies. It just wasn't their thing. Um, and so I definitely didn't see it as a kid. But um, yeah, by the time everybody around me had seen it to the point of not wanting to watch it anymore. I hadn't seen it at all. And so there was nobody then to show it to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I watched it later and, uh, later being like tw- in your twenties. Yeah, maybe, probably. Or? Yeah. What made you decide? Was it just, I just hadn't seen it. It's just like, you know? I, I probably should see this. Yeah. Um, and I just don't really remember it. Yeah. <laughs> like I, yeah. I was, well, a lot of it was sort of like, Oh, I'd already heard that line. I'd already seen those things. Oh, that's how that scene fits mm-hmm. into this. Yeah. I remember I had one friend in junior high who really thought, the part where they sing to uh, Kelly McGillis was funny. So he would always like reenact that scene to make me feel uncomfortable. Well, yeah, that scene's awkward, even if you're not in a reenactment of it. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's Um, awkward to watch. So I was like, I was like, what is this movie that this guy sings this old song? (laughs) 
I was like, it, it wasn't selling me on the movie exactly. So yeah, it was just something that I felt like I, I had missed out on, but I, it was, everybody assumed everybody knew about it. So, you know, I know Danger Zone. I know, uh, I know Take My Breath Away. Like all these things are recognizable. Um, but then I saw it and I was like, oh, okay, that was it. That was Top Gun. But I, I also should probably admit that I was probably at my like, when a lot of the the movies I was watching to like kind of fill in gaps, I was getting into like a lot of art out, like really yeah, yeah, like yeah. cinema. Mm. So then like, you know, if I'm watching something that's just absolutely blowing my mind and then Top Gun's in the shuffle, it's sort of like, well, that wasn't what I was really watching movies for at the time. And, it's you no know, eternal whatever. sunshine of the spotless mind. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was no, it was no, uh, Mulholland drive, you know, whatever. Mm. So I'd see a David Lynch Top Gun movie, though. Oh, my gosh. There would be no planes in David Lynch's Top Gun movie. <laughs> um, all right. Well, then, you yeah, know, what about that, you, Nate? That, that's, your, that's your short story, and you're sticking to it. But um, my experience with Top Gun is it's kind of like you, Chris. Like, I don't, it's hard to even know how to talk about first viewings. I don't exactly remember the first time I saw it. It was just in our home. Uh, my parents were big fans of... Top Gun, especially my mom. My mom really loved Top Gun and loved Tom Cruise. I, I don't remember exactly what age I saw it, but I was pretty young. And I think it was more just like, oh, it's a movie about jets. I I would <laughs> I really want to watch that. And my mom, I remember I watched it with my mom the first time. But you know, when you're that young and you're watching a movie like that, you know the story enough just to get you to the next part with jets. <laughs> and it probably wasn't until watching it again, like in high school, I had some friends and I don't really know why, but they, they were just also, they remember Top Gun and we would just pop it on and watch it occasionally. Um, I remember even my high school band, like rock band for a show we wanted to have, it was like our final show ever. And we wanted to have a big sort of coming out onto the stage. And so we had the PA system play the Top Gun anthem. (laughs) As we walked up onto the stage. Now, can you imagine this? This would have been... Like, That's I mean, a great we, guitar we, riff. We, we were, yeah. And we just kind of walked up slowly to the stage <laughs> while the Top Gun anthem was playing. Um, and it was pretty awesome. But that just tells you how much of, like, even amongst my peers, amongst my friend group, like, Top Gun was just... You could quote any line from it. Mm-hmm. Everyone just knew everything from Top Gun, pretty much. Yeah. And even when I was a kid, one of my best friends, uh, his dad was actually an airplane mechanic. Um, and so we used to just, when, when we would go to his house, we would watch Top Gun and he would like talk a lot about like, this is the specific jet that's flying right now. And like, hmm. that would never happen in real life or whatever during like, you know, whatever. Um, but that would just is another way of just saying that Top Gun was just all over the place. Um, but then I hadn't watched it for a really long time uh, until I was, again, Chris, my, my story is very much parallel to yours where my wife had not seen Top Gun. Um, and so we watched it and... Um, for me, I think I was kind of like, yep, this is exactly what I remember of Top Gun. Um, and she was kind of like, okay, this is whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, and then when Top Gun Maverick was announced, it was one of those, you know, oh, great. This is just another franchise. Like, this wasn't even a franchise movie. Yeah. And they're, get, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel so much that they're just trying to make franchises out of stuff that was never even a franchise, you know? Mm. Um, and so that was kind of my feeling about Top Gun Maverick. I kind of assumed that it wasn't going to be very good. Um, even though I was like, but I'll probably see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, and we'll get into this when we get into Top Gun, Top Gun in my mind just kind of always gets a pass. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 
it's probably not going to be very good, but it's Top Gun. What are you going to do? You know, like, like, is Top Gun itself even that good? I don't know. It gets a pass because it's just part it's just of Top Gun. It's just Top Gun. And so that was sort of my feeling going into Top Gun Maverick. And I was really taken aback when the critical reception started coming in and everybody was really mm. glowing about it. Yeah, I was like really pleasantly surprised uh, to see that Top Gun Maverick, it not only wasn't what I worst feared, it was almost an answer to what yeah. I worst feared. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should definitely get into that, even though this isn't really a Top Gun Maverick converse, uh, episode. I think I, I think I think it'll have to be to an extent. So rewatching it, re- rewatching Top yeah, Gun. Let's talk any, about anything change. I mean, just quick, like how did it feel to rewatch Top Gun, Chris? Mm. Yeah, gosh, I, I, I mean, I don't know. It does feel like a timeless movie to me. Uh, I was watching it, thinking, man, okay, yeah, there's all these little. 80s moments that you're like oh yeah that's uh that's sort of outdated but then a lot of it isn't outdated to me but you're still observing these naval aviators take off and and what is almost to me like a science fiction situation Mm. i don't know where you know they're flying these massive technological feats in the air might as well be aliens and yeah astronauts yeah well the way they even film like the migs you, you know they're they're kind of yeah. like alien they're not they're not they're not like a real enemy like they're not a defined eminent enemy um, yeah and, and they're kind of faceless and so they they do kind of have that just sort of alien type of invasion type of presence yeah no absolutely and i just it, it's weird I, I think in rewatching it it felt like i was watching i don't know a sports movie and a mm. sci-fi movie at the same time mm. just seeing how you know it's like oh we have this guy he's the he's like this hot shot player mm-hmm. he's got you know i don't know the coach could be like val kilmer's character actually more so mm-hmm. it, and viper kind of together but like viper yeah viper more the coach mm-hmm. tom scarrett yeah yeah viper. tom scarrett yeah. yeah he's like this coach but then watching val kilmer's performance more i'm like oh he he really is in some ways, like a friend looking out for him kind of at the beginning. He's trying to advise him, yeah. but in a sort of brash way. That's interesting. It definitely, it, for, for being, you know, a, ostensibly a military movie, it does not follow the formula of any sort of military movie or war movie. Mm-hmm. I think you're spot on by saying it's more of a sports movie mm-hmm. in, in its arc, but bringing it into the military realm. I think this definitely follows the beats more of a sports movie. But then it's like, but then what's the sport? Uh, I've seen a lot of people will, will talk a lot about it being sort of like a, a pro-war movie. It's definitely um, pro-military. And it's definitely pro-military. Yeah. I find that it's actually not all that concerned about making much of a statement at all about war mm-hmm. or the military or the U.S. even. It's a sports movie. So it's like having this like really technical ability yeah. and being sort of independent, but then having to learn how to also work as a team. And uh, yeah, it has all the beats, I think, of like most of the sports movies you've seen, whether it's like, you know, the Mighty Ducks to like, who yeah, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> um, Yeah, um, it's kind of like, do you have the guts? Like, do you have the guts to do what it takes? You know? Sure, you got the know. talent, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a movie. Like, it's just a generic movie. Mm-hmm. And I think... So much of what bothers me or, or, or just doesn't impress me about Top Gun, Maverick does better. Because this time I was sort of like, the story is super unclear, which you guys are kind of making a case for that being somewhat of a positive, or you're, you're spinning that in a little bit more of a positive, which I can see. But Maverick had a much clearer, like, we are training for this mission. 
to do this. And the mission is this. You have to do this in this amount of time. And we watched them get closer to that. I felt so oriented in Maverick. And this one, they're like, all right, Cougar is out. You're in Top Gun. Great. All right. Do flight stuff. Ah, you're better at flight stuff than me. And then in the end, they have someplace to go. It felt a lot messier and a lot more directionless this time, even though what it does well, it does perfectly. Mm-hmm. Mm. The, fl- yeah. the flying stuff. The like, stuff has that, a yeah, kid. The flying, uh, the flying the, stuff. The, it's yeah. just perfect. The jets are cool. They still are cool. I can report back to my 10-year-old self that the jets are still cool. The jets are still cool. <laughs> we have confirmation. <laughs> but I, I, you know, it was actually based off of this journal article oh, right. that was written mm-hmm. about the Top Gun school. And then they were just kind of like making a script out of that. Um, so you're probably right. It's it's not nearly as clear what the movie's even doing or what its focus is. Um, but it's like, we just wanted to make a movie about the people who do this, the people who are in this Top Gun program because we think it's very kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this movie is a little bit more sloppy. It's a little more all over the place. Yeah. Um, or at least, I don't know, how did you feel... I mean, Chris, are you even able, like, I, I, I'm having a hard time even separating out, like, my sort of internalized idea of Top Gun yeah. over the years with, like, a rewatch where I'm trying to watch this fresh, you know? Right, right. I totally understand what you mean. I mean, because even after maybe listening to some behind-the-scenes stuff and, you know, they had they probably had a formula, like, sort of this, at that time, the, the formula of what worked for a movie like this that they wanted and then they're kind of consulting with the Navy at right. the same time, like Department of Defense. We want, yeah. yeah, like we want to we want to include these things. And the Navy is like, well, that's not really what the Navy like. That's not really what pilots do. <laughs> and there's this sort of oh, come back on. and forth between that. Like, I think I read something where even watching it too, I, I thought of it before I found out. But it was like this locker scene. You know, they're all like. You know, shirts are off, just like a sports movie or something. But then post shower, yeah, yeah. You're like, do they really need to shower though? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they get sweaty up there, but does they that were really sweaty happen? all the time. Hey, in this movie. That, they are, yeah, they, they are drenched. They're just in sweat sitting. Yeah, they're just movie. sitting in class, and they're like, like, like <laughs> must be really hot. You can attest to the, the yeah, San Diego that, weather. I guess I thought San Diego <laughs> weather is supposed to be pretty perfect and not not over. So, yeah, I, I don't know if there's like any real showering happening after uh, flight training. They just like get out of their suits and go home like you just need a place for them to be shirtless and (laughs) decompressing yeah so i know maybe that's that's maybe the bout of the sort of dichotomy between the talk and maverick and and the original was maybe in maverick they just push that like i've heard like oh it's a love letter to aviation and they focused more on the flying and I mean, of course they had some of those like beach scene, they paid some homage to some of those things that they did, but in the original Top Gun, yeah, you get all these different pieces Mm -hmm. that just seem like, oh, we're trying to still be an entertaining movie right now. And we know this is going to sell. So we got to insert this and this and this. We got to have a lot of eye candy here. Mm I was reading Roger Ebert's review of it, and he said, this is a movie that comes in two parts. It knows exactly what to do with special effects, but doesn't have a clue as to how two people in love might act and talk and think. And it feels like they were sort of like, oh, this flight story is cool, but will enough people think it's cool? Like, will women Mm. think it's cool? We've got to put in a love story. And 
like, will they understand the stakes if his best friend doesn't die? And like, mm. you know, like all these things that kind of get thrown in that Maverick, again, just uses better. Now, I, I can't remember. I, I remember hearing this on, I, I took a tour of the Paramount Studios uh, when I was in LA last, this was years ago. And I can't find an article necessarily to back this up. But I remember on the tour, they were saying that Top Gun was kind of Paramount's, like they didn't actually have much of a summer movie to release that summer. And it was just sort of like Paramount's kind of like, well, we got to put something out that's going to be sort of our summer movie. Tom Cruise, he's, you know, kind of a good name we can put on this. And, and you know, we've got this script and we can just make this movie and we can get Tony Scott, who uh, was known for doing commercials. He did like a sob commercial that they liked and just <laughs> hired him to basically do Top Gun. Um, but it was like sort of like their long shot movie. And so to me, if like you know that, it's sort of not that surprising that it's a bit of a mess. Yeah. And I have this theory that there's like enough in Top Gun that keeps audiences there. And then I think there's all these other things about it that are outside the movie. They're part of the movie, but kind of outside of it that made it into this cultural phenomenon that sort of has a life of its own to where it's not just me and you, Chris, that can't really look at Top Gun objectively. It's like most of America can't really look at Top Gun objectively. And the, the things I want to point out is sort of these outside of it things that took off is I think in this day and age, we really underestimate the degree to which a memorable soundtrack and score can keep a movie alive, even a mediocre one. Now, it seems weird now to even say Top Gun's a mediocre movie, (laughs) but it kind of is. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's got amazing dogfight and jet scenes. But, you know, I'm kind of with Roger Ebert, where it's just like, how do you even review a movie like this, where the good parts are so good and the bad parts are just relentless? (laughs) But... What kept it alive is that in our collective consciousness, you had like all these things, whether it was Tom Cruise himself who would keep going on to make big movies, or it's this soundtrack where it's just kind of like, if you hear Kenny Loggins' Highway to the Danger Zone, like even if you haven't seen Top Gun for years, it immediately makes this like neural connection in your brain. Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. Top Gun. Yeah, Yeah. Top Gun. I'm an aircraft carrier now. Yeah, or you hear hear Berlin's Take My Breath Away, which is just a great song, and it's written by Giorgio Moroder. So of course it was going to be great. He won the Oscar for, yeah. Um, It's just an amazing song by itself outside of Top Gun. But then every time you hear that song, it, it takes you right back to... It takes your breath away. Super awkward mm-hmm. sex scene. <laughs> That's not even good. Well, but like, but it's just it's part of Top Gun. It's part yeah, of this yeah. lore. It's part of this cultural phenomenon that just takes on mm-hmm. a life of its own. So that by the time Top Gun Maverick comes out, it's just you carry all that with you. And it having that kind of score and that kind of thing, it sort of plants roots in your minds and makes these sort of positive, deeper connections. And it seems like the nineties knew this. And we yeah. somehow lost it yeah. because if you hear Brian Adams, you know, you, you, you have a fondness for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves that nobody should have. <laughs> and if you hear Aerosmith's don't yeah, want to miss, miss a thing, thing. Yeah. you're going to have a fondness for Armageddon. That's probably yeah. not all that it's merited. Unearned, yeah. I, yeah. I, I honestly feel like Marvel could have actually like taken some cues from that and you would have had even more people loving like Marvel movies if you could have had mm-hmm. at least like a few of them, an original song that really yeah. kept playing on the radio and kept playing on Spotify yeah. over and over again. The Batman would, Batman Forever. Batman Forever, Hold Me, Kill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me, and Kiss from a Rose. Yeah. Like, who still should be thinking about Batman Forever? Right. But yeah. we do because of these songs. And I really think yeah. that there's some of that going yeah. on with Top Gun. Now, I'll say this. This is kind of a 
tangent, but uh, Black Panther sort of tried, and it mm. was successful in that because Black yeah. Panther mm-hmm. put out the Kendrick Lamar album. Hmm. That's and, my favorite Marvel movie. Hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> and that album did really well. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. It's, it's like the yeah, it's the power of an old tiny jukebox song. Yes, like, and that's like like of like Ghost. You know, oh, everyone yeah. hears yeah. ghosts and they just think right back. You're shaping clay, yeah. shaping clay into a pot because I mean, we could go them. on. There's, you know, uh, I mean, the three musketeers had that song with like sting and oh, Rod Stewart. Yeah. Right yeah, but then you've right. got like the bodyguard, dirty dancing. Oh, right. I mean, these yeah. are all movies that they would not have the life they have mm-hmm. if not for the song. And I think there's a lot of that going on with Top Gun. Yeah. Um, and it's and honestly, like I don't say that as a knock against the movie. That's just smart. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. just like smart business. And it doesn't even always work out because for every one of those, there's like a Nickelback song for that Spider-Man movie. That just <laughs> yeah. like nobody. <laughs> but like I'm just saying that like you know, there's a lot more going on with Top Gun that actually I think made it rise above your typical summer blockbuster that right. we get nowadays. That there was just sort of a better marketing approach where it was just like even mm. if we don't have the best movie in our hands, we can do a lot to keep this alive which that was another brilliant choice by top gun maverick was don't write a new theme no just keep just, it just mm-hmm. use the original don't even update mm-hmm. it right but how do you get a hit song now right that's a question too <laughs> like, well if it's but if it's in yeah that's true i guess i don't really know but if it's in a movie that enough people see yeah it would get that sort of iconic um status. then yeah then i think it could, it could sort of reach that status um yeah. Um, Chris, were there things that you wanted to talk about or things that you had taken notes on? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and in, in sort of the rewatch phase of it, it's like I, I think I watched it now maybe two or three times since we saw Maverick and really? Chugs. But I was like, oh, now I'm, now, I'm in the, now I'm in the space of like catching continuity errors. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm like, uh-oh, now I'm like watching this way too, too much. And maybe you guys have some thoughts on this. So... There's a scene where Goose, played by Anthony Edwards, he he meets Meg Ryan and his and uh, his son Bradley at the at the airport, mm-hmm. and a young Miles Teller. Yeah, a young Miles Teller <laughs> running towards him, and then and then they cut away to like several other scenes, like um, Maverick's got to go and meet up with uh, Charlie. Charlie played by Kelly McGillis. And then they have, uh, I don't know if the date scene, but then, you know, their love making scene happens. <laughs> they have another hop mission. They got to do, there's all these other scenes. And then they cut back to goose playing great, great balls, balls of fire, fire on the piano. You take my nerves and you rattle my brain. Think about your love drives a man insane. You break my will. They're having this meal and they're all having fun. And like the flowers he had given her when they met is still on the table. So that meal oh. <laughs> directly after when they met up. Yeah. But they inserted all this stuff right in between that. Hey, Goose, you big stud. That's me, honey. Take me to bed or lose me forever. Show me the way home, honey. And I think that's the scene pretty close to when he dies so i'm yeah. like oh did they just need to show like you know goose having one last hurrah one last meal one last happy time yeah or the last hop that's also where that- meg-, meg ryan says like 
she's just really saying all the great things about Maverick. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I feel like that scene, to me at least, was really just the function of it was to get that emotional hit of when Goose dies. You needed, you needed like one last sort of like, this is a family man. Booster. Mm-hmm. This is a family man. He knows how to have fun, and him and Maverick are so close and tight-knit. Um, and he is just someone who was so full of life, Goose was. And knows one verse of Great Balls of Fire. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he had this wife that really loved him and this kid that, he, you know you know what I mean? Like it yeah. was just, it was trying to do a lot to really ultimately give you the gut punch of when Goose dies. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I'm not going to say like I tear up necessarily when that happens, but it works in a movie yeah. that is so silly. It, it just said it even presents itself for the most part as just good, dumb fun. Um, it, it, it has this surprising moment there. So that great balls of fire scene kind of does have to be there. Now mm-hmm. I feel like your, your, your point about the flowers is, uh, <laughs> that's just kind of like, that's kind of like, well, they didn't really think that, uh, continuity through, I guess, or maybe the, the restaurant's just so dirty. They haven't cleaned that table. In, <laughs> but in it's days. like, oh, they're wearing the same clothes. Yeah. I'm like, it's gotta be right after that. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting to think like, how would it have changed? Would it, would it have changed a lot if that scene had played out? You know, like we saw them meeting and then we saw the whole meal Mm -hmm. singing scene and then everything else that came after. Like, would we have remembered it? Would it have made? uh, Yeah. But I think you're right that it kind of speaks to the way that they were just kind of shuffling the movie around to make it palatable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You could see those scenes being kind of so generic and yeah. that an editor could be like, well, if we move it here it'll play better than if we move it here. But you could really put it yeah. anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. If, you hadn't, if you hadn't brought that damn flower. <laughs> because, because you really, you just have this scene. You could like, use this scene twice. Yeah. I mean, you just have this like very basic scene. There's not a lot going on in the scene other than it's showing that Goose is someone who's fun. He's married and, and has someone who loves him. And it, the other function of that scene is Meg Ryan's character points out that, that like Maverick is actually in love with Charlie. You yeah. Know? yeah. And hey, the romantic relationship between the two of them probably needed Meg Ryan to just spell it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, audience, he yeah. actually does love yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. All yeah, evidence from his scene. performance to the contrary. <laughs> There's another weird scene that I feel like is pretty controversial in the first movie where, you know, they go on this quick date, I guess, at her house. And then he showers. Yeah, he was like, I got to go take a shower. Like, I'm out of here. And then the very next scene, they're in this elevator. Yeah. And he's like sweaty again from something else working out. <laughs> and he's like, I guess you need to take another shower. And I always thought that was such a weird jump cut. Yeah. And I think that's a, that was another insert of a scene saying we need to show some type yeah. of prolonged Tension. romance yeah. here yep. because I don't think people are buying it. This sort of gets to like my my second theory about Top Gun, about how like I'm trying to process how I feel about it, where it's just sort of like you've grown up with it. The, the movie couldn't be flawed. It must be it must be doing something. <laughs> it must be figured something out. Yeah. It was actually A, way ahead of its time, and B, just doing stuff that nobody understood. And we still don't quite understand. Yeah. No. But no, in all seriousness. So there's another quote from Ebert. It's kind of near the end where he basically says, Top Gun, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. It's like Top Gun is a hard movie to review. Because the good parts are so good, and the bad parts are just relentless. <laughs> mm. And my feeling is, like, Ebert's not wrong. Although, like, 
10-year-old me didn't seem to notice. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. thought I was... See, now, when I watched that love stuff, I thought I was squirming during those love scenes and that romance because I was 10. Like, I thought that mm-hmm. was the reason. Now I realized, no, I was squirming because they're <laughs> Cause bad. They're, weird. <laughs> they're really bad. Especially the scene where she's, like, driving through traffic just so she can, like, stop and tell him that he's a great pilot, but she didn't want to show it because of how much she's fallen for him. Like, that is some soap opera bad yeah. dialogue, you know? But I feel like when a movie takes off like that culturally, I think even the worst parts, they sort of earn this, like, tongue-in-cheek knowing glance sort of like mm. meme memes before there were even memes mm. cachet the bad parts to me now i watch them and they're just like when you see a meme of something that's like mm-hmm. yeah it's cheesy is, that's yeah. part of what we love about it there's something that's actually connecting with people i think in that cheesiness and i think top gun maverick was interesting in that there's not as much to laugh at in top gun maverick um and it'll be interesting to see even though like the critics really love Top Gun Maverick, and I really like Top Gun Maverick, will it have the life, though, that Top mm-hmm. Gun has? Will it, or will it be one of those, like, it's a respected movie, but when I just want to watch something for fun, I'm going to throw on the original Top Gun. I, I don't think there's a whole lot of thinking you need to do in Top Gun Maverick, necessarily, like, to, to have fun with it. Right. But, you know, okay, for instance, here's something that's just like, the stuff with Iceman is also mm. really cheesy. That sort of like hard bite he does at him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so memorable, but it's so cheesy. And do you have moments like that in Top Gun Maverick? I don't know. That's yeah, a good, that's a good yeah. explanation for the bad parts. They have to be there. <laughs> they want you to laugh at them. Yeah, I, I, no, no, no. I don't think it was intentional. Don't get me wrong. I, I think don't there think are this parts is... that are supposed to be just comedic, like the guy who keeps spilling coffee on himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but it is pretty silly, like when that guy's like, "I want butts." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. yeah, I guess that plays on how we view humor now. How we like to see humor play out in mm. our movies. Like we're really self-aware. We're really yeah. self-aware. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And what keeps the movie alive is the parts that were good. The jet fighting, like the action mm. sequences, they hold up really yeah. well. It's filmed in a way that like you can follow it. Mm-hmm. Like it's got a a logic to it. That's not easy to do up in the air with a bunch of jets yeah. flying around in open space, you know. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're part of their adventure in there. I mean, right. I just it has all those pieces that it needs in the first movie and this and the second movie which felt more of a ride. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. definitely like it was literally, I did feel literally on the edge of my seat yeah. on a lot of those scenes, which the first movie does not put me on the edge as, right. you know, I mean, right. nowhere near, even just the beginning of Maverick where he's just the trying Mach to 10. go fast. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. 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 You know? And well, I think one of the things that Top Gun Maverick does that Top Gun's lacking is it tells you this is the mission and you know how hard that mission is. And so, like, you're on the edge of your seat because you know what they're supposed to be doing. Right. Whereas with Top Gun, most of the scenes, it's kind of like, if it's a a sort of instructional thing, you got to try to shoot down the instructor. Yeah. But there's no real, like, tactical this is what the, this what is makes how one better that. than the other yeah. or something like and that. and then even in the in the in the last sequence where it's the real thing you don't really know that what the mission was other than you just gotta like 
get There's these MIGs guys. out of there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas at Top Gun Maverick, it's like you know exactly what that flight route is and all the different areas in which that's going to be near impossible. And then so yeah, they can just be flying. But you know exactly what they're supposed to be yeah. doing and how hard that is. You yeah. know, so they can make something that's not even combat at the time, just like flying through a really hard area. Right. Edge of your seat, you know, because you yeah. know how you, you've been informed, you've been taught how hard that is. I mean, I, maybe you guys felt the same way. I mean, there's just that moment where you're like, is this, this is a heist movie now? Like, you just yeah. really told me mm-hmm. this is a heist movie. You could have called it Top Gun and Mission Impossible. Yeah, and I still would have gone to see it. I still would have gone to see it. I mean, that's that's that speaks to the awareness of the the creators of Top Gun Maverick. That in the eighties, the sports movie was huge, right? Mm -hmm. Like Rocky Mm -hmm. was, you know, not maybe maybe about ten years old. Um, You know, you mentioned Hoosiers. Like there were all these sports movies. Sports movies aren't very popular now. They're pretty played out. Mm -hmm. And I I remember um, recently Bill Simmons said the sports documentary killed the sports movie, Mm -hmm. and he and Wesley Morris were kind of lamenting the fact that we don't really have sports movies much anymore, but the, the heist movie is, is big now, you know, like it's not, you know, maybe oceans 11 was near its peak, but it still is really intriguing to people. And so instead of saying like, we're going to make a military movie or remake another sports movie, they said, we're going to make a heist movie. And yeah. I, I hadn't thought of that until you said that, Chris, but that is uh, exactly what's happening. And I think that the, the strength of both those movies is saying like, we're ostensibly a military movie, but the emotional core is this other type of movie. Mm-hmm. And I felt personally more emotionally invested in everything that's happening in Maverick. I think in Top Gun, they orient you enough to be excited by the dogfighting, but it's not much more than, yeah, he did it. Whereas in Maverick, I was like, you said edge of my seat. It was just like one thing that I, I, I tend to notice is when, somebody can teach you something quickly enough to make you feel like you're an expert or, or, or know <laughs> enough. Like, you know, you watch the great British baking show and you're like, in the first episode, you're like, I've never even heard of this dish. And then by the time it's done, they're like, oh, that's totally undercooked. And you're like, <laughs> like, they didn't have to tell you that. And in this one, you know, you're like, oh, he's taking that too fast. Or like, he's going too slow around that first curve. He's never going to make it. And that's like, too many Gs. Right, exactly. Like, what did I know about that stuff 45 seconds ago? But now I'm like, like they or they, Maverick does a good enough job. And I think part of it is the heist movie aspect of it because they laid it out. You have to do this and this and this and this. And you have to fly this low and you can't go this and you have to you know, you're going to experience this and the sh- the plane can't really handle that and your body can barely handle it and you're going to have to, what you know, all that stuff. And they don't just do it to the point that you can be excited by what happens, but that you're actually like feeling your stomach drop when they don't ha- get it or mm-hmm. you're like, they're going to do it this time after, you know, like, <laughs> because you can s- sort of like see the numbers and everything. So, I, yeah, I mean, Maverick just took what Top Gun did well and improved on it. I think, I, I think in every way, personally. Sure. Um, I wanted to talk about Iceman. I guess I, I have questions. Is he supposed to be the villain? Because I feel like he is, but he's right almost all the time. <laughs> like nothing he says to Maverick that's like right. it's supposed to be like this challenging stuff. It's like, yeah, he's he's right. Yeah, we won. I'm right. 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 They won too, man. That's not what I heard. Well, we did. We got gesture. No, no. Below the hard deck does not count. Hard deck my ass. We nailed that son of a bitch. Ah, you guys really are cowboys. What's your problem, Kazansky? You're everyone's problem. 
That's because every time you go up in the air, you're unsafe. I don't like you because you're dangerous. That's right. Nice, man. I am dangerous. You know, like, is he supposed to be the villain or am I, am I just trying to oversimplify that? Or Chris, what did you, what did you think of Iceman? Yeah, no, that, that makes me think of how I'm like, yeah, is he the coach? (laughs) Yeah. Is is Viper the coach or is Iceman the coach? He's not the opposing player. Or does it take a friend to bail you out to be like, now we're friends, you know, like, is it how it ends? It's like, they have all this rivalry and then. I guess maybe it wasn't even really a huge rivalry, even though they kind of play us that tension. He's not the villain. No, I wouldn't say he is. But, he, um, but he's, well, he's definitely kind of portrayed like that, right? Like oh, he's, yeah. he's yeah. he looks like Ivan Drago. He like mm, he, Oh, yeah. Good point. I mean, he's not the jealous boyfriend. There's no right. competition for, for, for Maverick. And it seems like anytime they confront each other, it's just Iceman trying to make Maverick better. Mm-hmm. Isn't there kind of that character in a lot of the team sports movies? Like the person mm. who's on the yeah. same team, but just sees the other person as a threat. You know, like they don't like the way that person on the team runs the team. They yeah. feel like that person's going to drag the team down because of their ego. I mean, it's, it's, it's in the script, guys. His ego's <laughs> writing checks his body can't cash, yeah. you know. Um, I'm actually just blanking on sports movies yeah. right now. <laughs> but I feel like that's a thing, you know. Well, like Adam Banks in uh, Mighty Ducks. I oh think, yeah, that's was, a good one. one of yeah. those characters. I feel like the Tom Skerritt character is, you know, more of the coach, with <laughs> Iceman kind of being that sort of like other teammate that just doesn't like him. Yeah, he's definitely. It's they try to play him on the edge of a villain, but then they pull back from it. Like the scene where Goose dies. And there's this, you know, competition happening and Iceman, I guess, cuts him off. And Iceman's just sort of in the middle. He can't get the shot. And Maverick's telling him to get out of the way. And Bruce is also kind of egging him on. Like, yeah, get out of the way. Come on, come on, Jesus Christ. Ice, take the shot. Come on, Ice, get the hell out of there. I can't get the angle. I'm too close for missiles. I'm switching to guns. Ice, fire, or clear. Look at this! Jesus Christ! I can take a shot right here! I need another 20 seconds, then I've got him. And it almost makes it appear that Iceman is the cause of their crash. But Maverick never, ever brings it up to him. Mm -hmm. It's It's not even mentioned. (laughs) <laughs> he just takes it all on him. Yeah, that's what I was. I, I remember you saying that, and I was watching. I'm like, yeah, like Iceman should have moved, and he didn't. But that's it. Well, that's no. It. Well, this is the way I saw that scene: is that they they both run by different sort of philosophies or ethoses. Like Val Kilmer is very much the sort of like you do things by the book, and you take your time and you're careful. That's the way you do it. Otherwise, you're going to get people killed. That's sort of Iceman's. Ooh way of thinking about things Mm. and it's it's and it's gotten him pretty far obviously Mm -hmm. maverick is much more i mean this is all over top gun maverick don't think yeah maverick's much more instinct trust your gut and live dangerously and sometimes you've just got to have that sort of reckless abandon to get the mission done and in that scene both of those philosophies kind of hit each other because really it's supposed to be Iceman's shot 
And Maverick Iceman keeps saying, I'm going to get mm-hmm. it, just I need more time. And Maverick's like, I don't want to give it to you because I've got the shot. I can take it right now. But that's not playing by the book, mm-hmm. which is like the two sort of mentalities really colliding at that point. And then it collides catastrophically because Goose dies. And my feeling is that like there's a sense that both of them are kind of right and wrong, and they both realize mm-hmm. it in that moment. Like Iceman should have gotten out of the way. He should have improvised a little bit there. Be- because, yeah, because he felt like he could have gotten it and he was supposed to get it, but when it wasn't happening, he should have gotten out of the way. So that someone like Maverick, who kept saying, I've got the shot, I'm just going to take it, could have taken it. Um, but Maverick in that moment also realizes that being reckless has its limits and being mm-hmm. reckless can really does have catastrophic consequences. So, so, and there's a there's that scene that I actually really like in the locker room where Iceman, you know, there's a moment where it's like he could have really mm-hmm. dug into Maverick and sort of like said, look, this is what yeah, your recklessness got you. you yeah. But it doesn't happen. Mitchell, I'm sorry about Goose. Everybody liked him. I'm sorry. But I feel like there's a lot of <laughs> in a movie with no subtext. There's some <laughs> there there's some t- there there is some subtext there of, of, of like mutual respect of yeah. like your yeah. way of thinking isn't totally wrong. My way of thinking isn't totally wrong either. Yeah. Like we both bring something different to this, which I think actually plays out really beautifully in Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. when well, when they bring Iceman back. Right. Well, which is, again, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it. Yeah. But, but then, like that extends into, like you said, not just in their friendship, but the fact that Iceman played by the rules and was an admiral, and Maverick stayed Maverick and only got to captain yeah right yeah hmm. yeah wow. but even in top gun maverick like Iceman understood this is the guy who should be teaching the class i don't know if the movie or they really ever completely reconcile like their approaches because maverick doesn't really change the way he flies and neither does Iceman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they have a mutual well, respect. they find a way to work together they find a way to work t- and they find a mutual respect for one another um you know especially near the end chris i remember you said something when you were talking about the rewatch about I don't know exactly what you said. Were there things that you wanted, the other things that you you had written about or wanted to talk about or scenes or? I wrote down how much this, the first Top Gun felt like such a, in terms of like the lighting, like so much more of a warm movie. Mm. I don't know. Like it was always like, I feel like. It was straight up hot. Everybody's sweating. It's straight up hot. Everyone's sweating, but it's like, yeah, the look of it, it's like, it's like always the sun is setting. Right. Like, yeah. Everything is either silhouetted, the sun is right mm-hmm. on the horizon. That orangey, golden. Yeah, the orange glow. We're at magic hour. Yeah. Or we're, or we're looking through blinds. Like, hmm. the sun's coming through the blinds. Yeah, right. Like, always... And smoky and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that, a lot of that fog coming in mm-hmm. and... I mean, along the lines of it being a sports movie, it was like a Western too. I just brought in this sure. dusk or dawn and it really sets that tone. I don't know if Maverick really did that. I don't think Maverick really brought that yeah, that color back. It, yeah. What did that make you feel about the two movies? Like to me, Top Gun feels a lot more like cinematic and maybe kind of 
expands the story to like kind of a more epic scale, whereas mm. Maverick sort of, I, I don't know, it kind of it kind of narrows the story maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know if this is a bad analogy. It's like, oh, oh, can we capture lightning in a bottle twice? And it feels like, oh, these are just two different bottles. Yeah. <laughs> but we still... <laughs> sure. Um, Chris, I wanted to ask you, though, so like rewatching it, what scenes like still work for you where you're just like, hell yes, this is why I love Top Gun? Good question. Um, the beginning montage always amps me up. It's like great yeah. montage. It sets mm-hmm. the whole, yeah. yeah, it's world building. It's inviting you in. You're like, oh, all right, I'm part of the Navy now. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, I, you know, I, I read, which I guess it, it seems obvious when you watch it, but like that's just them filming real Navy, Navy service guys. members doing what they do, basically. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, this, like you say, the soundtrack drives this movie in a large way, which I think when we turn it on, we're like, we're in it. We're going to be top guns now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think specifically one of the more powerful scenes that I try to like, Oh, if I ever have a moment in in my life that I need to do that is when they tell him like, you know, you're dismissed of all charges, get back into it. And it shows him like in the courtroom and then it cuts to him, like being right back in the, in the plane. And then he's on that mission and he is leaving. It seems like he's given up and like Merlin in the back. And and this is like very powerful. You can almost hear the audio of like Tim Robbins character being like, you got to get back in the fire. It's like kind of distant. It's this voice Mm -hmm. in your voice in your head like you need to get back in man like you can't just mm. walk away from this and maybe that is the big takeaway thematically from top gun is you just can't mm. walk away yeah there's some there is something about top gun where it's like this idea of just arising to the occasion mm-hmm. yeah do i have the courage do i have the guts for something yeah yeah well especially because for him he had been doing everything just for himself like i'm gonna buzz the tower because that seems fun I'm yeah gonna, like fly the, over this MIG, not because I can get some really unprecedented military intelligence, but just to flip them off. <laughs> right. And then like this was like, all right, fine. You you lost Goose. Maybe you screwed up. Maybe it was partly your fault. But now, who are you doing things for? Like, if you really are beat up over Goose, then how are you going to get outside yourself and make a difference? I only have, I only have one last question. Did you guys ever think about a call sign? You guys ever have call signs oh. on your ring? What? Oh, man. What <laughs> would <my> call sign <laughs> be? I don't know. So we had call signs in my little league when I was on the team we were on. Every and in fact, one of them, one there was a our first bass player was Goose. Yikes! What's what's he up to? Now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Tragic story, by the way. Oh. But uh, anyways. Um, I, I was like the worst player on the team, but my uh, my name was Professor. Ooh, oh, professor. that's what you, that's the name you give to the worst player yep. on the team. <laughs> that's and, the that's the kid who. Hey, why don't you come up with a trick play, <laughs> <laughs> Professor? Supposedly, and I don't know yeah, if I should take this on the other team. I don't know. I think I don't know how I should take this, but I guess I reminded the coach of the Professor on Gilligan's Island. Hey, he was a 
resourceful, mm-hmm. handsome, yeah, man. respectable. No, I think that's a, that's a perfectly respectable. Okay, concept. all right, good, good. So, anyways, I'm gonna go with. I might as well stick Professor. with what what someone else actually gave me when I was <laughs> yes, like sir. when I was like ten. Have you thought of it, Chris? Well, I was, you know, I, and in the movie in the in Top Gun Maverick, I was like, you know, oh, what's what are all the new. Mm-hmm. call signs you know who's the next generation here and then i was like oh there's the asian guy i think there's an asian guy in there and his call signs yale and i was like yale oh come on oh, some of us yikes. went to community college okay showboat college we went to well along those lines i noticed that the one black pilot in top gun his call sign is sundown oh i i saw that too and i was like uh Kind of feels kind of interesting. <laughs> interesting choice. <laughs> so you wouldn't you wouldn't go with Yale? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't go with some sort of higher education name. <laughs> but I thought, oh, right, it's supposed to like stri- like something that's like uh, tormenting people or strikes fear into like your enemies. I'm like, uh-huh. all right, right now, yeah, seasonal allergy. That would be seasonal my, <laughs> that would be mine going into it. Like, watch that's out, guys. One. It's yeah. going to be bad. Always worse than you remember it. Too. Yeah. 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 How about you, Ryan? I have no idea. I don't know. What would strike fear? Uh, oh, man. I'm, I feel on the spot. I don't know. I can't come up with anything cool. That, that, feels, that feels on brand, though. So Undecided. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Blank helmet. Not Apple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, being put on the spot. So... Yeah, that that strikes fear. So oh yeah, being, being put on the spot, being put on the spot. Yeah, yeah, best man speech. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want it. Public speaking. Yeah, public speaking. speaking yeah. <laughs> that's mine. That's my call sign. <laughs> All right. So public speaking, seasonologies, and professor. professor. <laughs> All right. Wow. Welcome to Top Gun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right. Well, before we uh, completely wrap up our discussion of Top Gun, something we like to kind of do here, Chris, is uh, we like to share um, our most irrelevant IMDb trivia for the movie that we're discussing. So we need to do this. We're going to go around here. And um, this is really for our listeners, uh, for that dinnertime conversation to, uh, you know, be able to take away. Take away. Ryan, did you want to go first? Yeah, this one just feels boring. Um, Boring is good and irrelevant often. In order to stay in character, Tom Cruise would sit far away from the rest of the cast in between takes. Oh, the distance. Just putting in the work. Yeah. The distance is really putting what in does the work. it. Yeah, to stay in character. Don't distract me or talk to me. I mean, that does make sense as Maverick. Sure. Always over there. Yeah. He's never with Where us. Where is he? Not here. <laughs> All right, I got a good one. This is a good one for another one that has to do with Tom Cruise preparing for the role. Did you know, in preparation for his role... Tom Cruise was allowed to take three rides in the F-14 Tomcat. Wow. He vomited during the first trip. Oh, boy. But was okay during the other two. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> got, got used, used to, to it. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to it. yeah. yeah the first pr- time. What a pro. Yeah. What a pro. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Maybe that's where you realize you need to keep the distance. Yeah. You guys notice Tom Cruise smells like vomit? <laughs> I don't know. I thought he smelled okay. I thought he was just staying in character. It turns out he just doesn't <laughs> just smell his sit over here to be safe. <laughs> okay, I but got okay. one. All right, all right, all right. Chris, let's all right, hear it. Here this. it goes. I've scrolled many Pretty a far page. Down there. <laughs> here you go. 
Tom Cruise's flight suit was later put on display at Planet Hollywood. Whoa. Which, which planet and, and which planet Hollywood doesn't, ooh, it doesn't yeah, I we guess it know. doesn't specify. I've been to maybe <laughs> gosh, two or three of them. You don't remember seeing it? I didn't, yeah. I usually was mm. so this one might actually be false. There used to be a, a planet Hollywood in the Gurney Mills Mall. Ooh. And uh, I can tell you it was not there. <sighs> so that's actually kind of my own irrelevant trivia. Yeah, thank you that, for yeah. that. Uh, the, the Tom Cruise flight suit that we know is <laughs> was not, was was not, not at the Gurney Mills Planet Hollywood. Yeah. I'm usually boy, distracted boy. by the Captain Crunch chicken fingers, which I normally order. <laughs> that was my go-to, and I'm usually distracted by all the memorabilia when that comes out. It like comes out, I'm like, I'm getting cereal, I'm getting chicken. All the memorabilia just it just fades away. Fades. Yeah, right, right. Just so it, it very well could have been Single there. spotlight yeah. on your chicken. Wow. Well, you know, man, man, Planet Hollywood, that's a blast in the past, yeah. past yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Talk thank you for that, Chris. That was uh, pretty irrelevant. Yeah. That trivia. So, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, all right. Well, um, I don't, do we need to go over our, our feelings about Top Gun after the discussion Any more after the about rewatch? Your feelings or? about each other about Top Gun? Are we are we all good we're here? All good. We're yeah. All, we feel good. We're all best think, buds. I don't so. think you can end a conversation about Top Gun without high fiving and hugging. I mean, I feel good about here, but you know, um, Ryan, you're dangerous. That's, uh, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that and how I feel about That's you. True, but you respect me. That's right. And we can high five. We can high five on that. But uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I mean, I feel like you brought a real sort of great fan uh, perspective to Top Gun that I was really glad to have here. Oh, thanks for having me. It was great. I can't believe I'm in the podcast. I'm inside (laughs) this podcast. So (laughs) go wake up your sons. Tell them. Tell them you did it. (laughs) Tell them seasonal allergies made it into the podcast. Well, anyways, yeah. yeah, thank you so much for uh, for, for being here. We really appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome, guys. All right, well, I guess, Ryan, we should then uh, talk about what we're going to be discussing next on the next episode of Can We Still Be Friends? The thing is, we don't actually have anything completely set in stone right now. Right. We've got some ideas, one of which is that we know we're going to have another guest. Uh-huh. The guest is going to be someone that listener, longtime listeners of the podcast should be pretty familiar with at this point, and mm-hmm. that is uh, we're going to bring... Andrew on, who mm-hmm. calls in a lot to mm-hmm. the podcast. We've played his voice messages quite a few times. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, he actually was my college roommate, and we've remained good friends. He's a huge movie fan, knows mm-hmm. a ton about movies, and so we're going to have him on. And um, I'm excited to have him on, but but he's going to choose the movie that we watch. Right. And we don't know what that choice is going to be yet. Right. It's going to be his choice for what he really wants us to see. Yeah. So he's going to bring maybe an underappreciated sort of movie, kind of like we did uh, with the Spencer and Happy Go Lucky yeah. episode. Yeah. Who knows? We don't know. It could be something classic. It could oh, be something yeah. new. It could be a new classic. Well, geez. That yeah. just pushes them right together. Yeah. New and classic. Right. Um, yeah. He's I mean, I don't want to put that kind of pressure classic. on him to come up with something like that. But he could. I think but he, he could can do it. He could do it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It could be something irrelevant. It could be. It could be something terrible, like that he even thinks is terrible. Right, but he just really, he just really wants, wants us to, to watch it. Yeah, and he doesn't want time, to be alone in that. Yeah, or this whole time he's been wanting to get back at us, 
and Ooh. is like it's a long game. I'm gonna play him. Really long game. Yeah. I gotta tell you, I and I, I don't even think he knows how bad I still feel about this. But I was one of those roommates that hit the snooze button a lot. Oh boy. In the morning. Oh man. Like I could not help it. What are you bringing me into? I I know I. I didn't. I do think this could be a long game Holy where cow. he's held this in close to 20 years now. Yeah. And it's Holy like, cow, Nate. I know. I, you should have told me this a long time it's ago. It's a huge character flaw of mine. Wow. You I've, still do it? No, I've worked on it. Okay. Good. I'm not even kidding. I've worked on this. Like, I've worked on not hitting the snooze button as much because I know how terrible that is for anyone else in the room yeah. that is trying to sleep. Well, even if they're not sleeping, like just hearing an alarm every 10 minutes yeah. over and over again. Man, that's awful. I, at least I'm confessing to it. So I'm hoping if he's listening to wow. this, this is, my, this, this is my repentance. This is my confession. So please don't do that to us. Wow. You know, I know that's probably been and on, I, his, I on have, his mind. I have nothing to do with no, that. No, that's, that's the thing. I it's didn't like, even know about it. Take it out on me. I, I deserve it. Yeah. Leave Ryan out of it. Yeah, please. But yeah, so. Well, that definitely changes my anticipation. <laughs> We're still good. He's he's not that kind of person. I don't think. I hope not. I don't think he's that kind I of person. I hope not. Well, it could have been part of the the plan all along. Just pretend to be a really good friend. Pretend to be a great person. I don't know what kind of how good of a person you need to be for to forgive something like that. Hitting snooze. I mean, I'm talking like three, four times. Wow. That's 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 approaching an hour. <laughs> it was bad. I've grown up since then. All right. That's good. It's kind of unforgivable. Like I don't really even know anybody else who does that still i mean like in their late 30s but also just like does that generally speaking period like when there's other people in the room oh i bet there's a lot of college students who do that college students are awful true yeah yeah maybe you're a college student let us know yeah, give us some we feedback we'd love to hear love about our college yeah, student yeah. listeners <laughs> <laughs> so that's the plan the other thing i'll mention is that it's possible that we might just even take a, a little bit of a breather. Uh, yeah. Um, so, and, and I think we've earned it because Nate and I are recording this <laughs> we either with this, COVID yeah. or on the, the heels of COVID. Right. Nate, you still have COVID right now? I'm sitting in the room st- with yes. you with COVID. Yeah, we, we both. Yeah, that's the thing is um, just so we don't sound completely irresponsible. You also. I am on my fifth day of having symptoms. So yeah. like we're both kind of. We did not give it to each other. No. But yeah, as we're recording this, we are both positive Test, have both tested positive for COVID, uh-huh. and in fact, Chris you, was remote. Chris was way. remote. In fact, you could probably tell that by the recording. Uh-huh. So we we kept him safe. Yep. But you know, you had tested positive, and then we kind of figured we would record all three of us remote because you were positive, and I didn't think I was. Right. And then um, I started feeling a little under the weather. Tested, and then I'm kind of like, hey, if we're both positive, we both got this <clears> thing. <throat> why don't you just come over? Yeah. And so yeah, that's kind of. If we sound a little congested, I don't know if we do or not. I, mean, I, I actually I feel, feel like I, I might. I, I feel okay, but like, <clears throat> yeah, we recorded this whole episode with, with COVID. COVID. So that we might take next month off. Uh, I, I just don't know exactly when the next episode will drop, but we do know that when it drops, it's going to be with Andrew and uh, a movie of his selection. Mm-hmm. So anyways, um, before we say goodbye, we hope you all have a wonderful summer mm-hmm. and uh, are enjoying this uh, summer so far. Uh, let's just run through a couple different ways that you can always get in touch with us. To listen to or comment on this or any of our past episodes, find us at canwestillbefriends.net or email us at feedback at canwestillbefriends.net. Find us on Facebook at Can We Still Be Friends Podcast or Instagram at Can We Still Be Friends Pod. 
And if you'd like to leave us a voice message and perhaps be featured on the podcast, call us at 847-306-9532 or email us a voice memo. As always, we'd love it if you could subscribe and leave us a rating or a review at Apple Podcasts. Those ratings really help spread the word about our show. Can We Still Be Friends is written and produced by Ryan Ebling and Nate Goss and edited by Nate Goss. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.